It can be super overwhelming when you're thinking about stock footage in your project. There are so many stock footage sites, but more importantly, who's paying? Should you pay or should the client pay? When do you use it? How do licenses work? And how do you use stock footage in your project? Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Video Editing Podcast with me, Shiny, your host. And this is from Unsplice, uh, the only online video editing mentorship community where you can get online guidance, help, training to help you get to the next step of your career, but also mentorship and guidance to help you with every single edit you're working on, help you see the flaws in your editing, see where you can improve and give you active steps to actually work on it. So it's a continual cycle of getting better and better and better. If you're interested in that, head to unspice.com forward slash pro. Now in this episode, stock footage, this isn't yet typical stock footage episode because most stock footage episodes or, or YouTube videos will cover the five best stock footage sites. This isn't anything like that. Although I do have recommendations for my top five favorite uh, stock footage sites. But that's not the purpose of this video. That's like a little bonus. The purpose of this video is to give a fully comprehensive understanding with stock footage and how to use it in your project, what line, how licensing works, um, the cost, who pays for it, and if you're working with a client, like how do you navigate that whole scene? Uh, and this should give you a full comprehensive understanding. You Super useful if you are beginning as an editor, you just started working with clients and they're asking you for stock footage, you don't know how to navigate that whole scene. This is gonna be your cover all. So, first of all, uh, I've got loads of key topics. I'm gonna cover key questions um, and chapter them up. But first things first, should you even use stock footage? So you have to ask yourself that question. When stock footage comes up in the conversation, when you're talking with a client, or if you're just thinking, do you know what would work here? Some stock footage. Ask yourself that like three or four times. Do you actually need to use stock footage in this moment? The only times that you will ever want to use stock footage are, number one, to emphasize key points in your edit, and number two, to fill in unsightly gaps in B-roll. Now that doesn't mean, oh, they didn't shoot this shot, maybe I should just find some B-roll to fill it from a stock footage site. That's not the best way to think about it. Stock footage really should be an emergency measure. Um, you should first think about covering shots if you're working in an edit that doesn't have any other stock footage, cover those shots using what you have. And maybe you don't even have enough stuff. How about putting in some black, putting out a title, maybe bringing in some stills. There are many different ways that you can fill a gap that is coherent with the edit without having to resort to stock footage. Very, very rarely in my career, no matter how bad the project, rarely have I ever used stock footage in an actual, uh, in a video that is shot. 
You know, I might use stock footage in something that is just a sit-down interview or a podcast episode, for example. But um, if something has been shot, I will try to never, ever use stock footage. Try and find some bad, uh, some footage that you can um, you can resurrect um, or fix or bring new life to. Maybe you could do some green screen, some keying, some rotoscoping, something from the footage that you have. Anyway, that's just to give you a little thing to think about. Maybe you don't actually need stock footage in the video that you're working on. Think about it as an emergency measure, mostly because it's really, really easy to tell what is stock footage. And no matter if you grade it really well, which is a must if you do use stock footage, grade it so it looks like it fits with everything. The lighting is going to be different, and that is a guarantee. The lighting is going to be different to the footage that you already have. So it's going to stand out. So I don't recommend you use stock footage in the first place. However, if you did want to use it to emphasize key points in some dialogue, for example, or to fill in unsightly gaps in B-roll. So if there really is just atrocious B-roll available to you, then maybe you can use it. So how to use stock footage in your project. First things first, does the project need it? Kind of covered that, but does the project really, really need it? Then check with the client that using stock is okay. They might be completely against it, or they might have tried it in the past and thought, actually, no, this doesn't work. It looks terrible. It cheapens the entire aesthetic of the brand. Don't want to use stock ever again. So check with the client um, on the edit to make sure that you can use some stock footage. Then if they give the go ahead, ask them if they already have an account that you can use. If they do, winner. You don't have to pay for anything. Ask for the account details, log in and find the footage that you need. If the client doesn't have an account that you can use, then you need to ask if they're willing to cover the cost. Make them aware of the cost before you make the purchase. So assuming you get a yes, that's cool. Um, I'm happy to cover the cost. Go ahead, then tell them the cost so that when it comes to invoicing and you expense the cost of that, then there's no surprises. Um, otherwise, if all of the answer to all of those are no's and you really, 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 really think it needs stock footage, but the client isn't willing to pay for it, then of course it comes out of your own pocket. We're going to talk a little bit more and a little bit about who pays for stock footage, um, but that's kind of like a, a to-do list um, of how to use stock footage in your project. So what are the different types of stock footage sites? There's the cost. Let's categorize them in two, in two ways, cost and um, uh, subscription or not. So firstly, the cost, there are free sites, there are paid sites, and then there are expensive sites. So depending on the job, think about what is going to be best. If you just want some free footage to drop on, or if you are willing to pay for some footage and we're talking like medium average price, $50 a month, something like this. And then expensive, really expensive stuff, which is going to be used in high-end edits. We're talking like really high-end commercials for brand names and things like that. And there you're looking at, you know, 
hundreds or thousands of dollars per clip. And then you've got the two models. You've got subscription and pay per clip. So that really is all you have to think about. There's two different kind of models, subscription, pay per clip, uh, not pay per clip, but pay per clip. And really only probably interested in the first one, subscription based. Um, mostly because pay per clip is going to be for editorial. And I'm going to talk about this in a second, but I'm just breaking this down into subject matters for you. It's mostly for editorial. Um, and if it's for an editorial client, that client will probably pay. Regardless, subscription and pay per clip are the two different types of stock footage sites that you will find. So how to choose a stock footage site for your project. I have my recommendations. This is where it comes in. I'm not going to, you know, make a 10 minute section um, just for the YouTube algorithm to talk about all the best things. But I'm going to talk about my recommended platforms that I rate personally and I've used in the past. Uh, so let's start with cheapest and we'll go up in price. So uh, first one is Pexels, if you haven't heard of it already. Pexels is very much like Unsplash, which is free stock images. Pexels is free stock footage. It's just stuff that people have made and, you know, creators have made or just people with a brand new camera. They just wanted to make stuff and they upload it and it's free and you give them a credit for using it. Simple as that. Pexels, uh, really, really uh, popular as well. You probably heard of it already. The next one, another free one, which is a bit of a hidden gem. It's called the Prelinger Archive. And I'm going to put a link to all of these down in the show notes. So check those out if you want to click through um, th the link. But the Prelinger Archive, again, is free and it's loads of old archive, loads of old footage, commercials, films, cartoons, public service announcements that are all in uh, the public realm. So the, their rights have have lapsed, they've passed. They're so old now that nobody can claim copyright on those things. So you get some really, really cool stuff. Really, really cool stuff. You find some really great cartoons, some of the old 50s cartoons. Um, and public, some of the public service announcements are hilarious. You'll find those. Um, British Pathé has some stuff on there. If you don't know, that's like um, uh, 1950s, 60s, British public service announcements. You know, you get some stuff from the wartime as well, the war era. Um, and you know how they talk in this voice all the time. Uh, all of those kind of like public service announcements, commercials as well, they're all on there. It's fascinating. And you can use them all. Um, I don't know if you can use them in commercials. I think you might have to license them specifically for commercials. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, we're going to get onto that in a little bit second when it comes to licensing. Uh, but Prolinger Archive, my second favorite recommendation. Number three is, now we're going to paid, um, Artlist. You probably know it. It's one of the biggest um, stock footage sites. You pay a subscription. And it's got very, very, very good selection. Like the footage is pretty good. Uh, it's very stylized, a lot of it, highly stylized. So it might not fit into just like, you know, a corporate interview and make it feel natural. Um, I could be wrong, but it is affordable. 
you know, you're looking at about 50 bucks a month for footage and music, I think. They do have music as well. Artists have their own music and sound effects library, um, which is you can have separately or you can get together. My recommendation, get it all. If you are going to do it, just get it all. It'll be super, super useful. And that's Artlist. Very, very good site. My second paid recommendation is Adobe Stock. It's affordable. Um, you don't get as much. They do actually have some very good stuff on there. Uh, what I found is that you will find a lot of stock images and a lot of stock footage across so many different things. You'll see the same clip or the same image across so many things. And because they're all getting it from Pexels or Artlist, um, you know, they're like the two most popular places. And so you keep seeing these things over and over again, which uh, when you do, you're like, oh, that's stock. You know, that's stock. And yeah, it's, it feels a bit bad. What I've noticed with Adobe stock, not many people using it. I don't see repetitions of it across the internet, which is good. Um, it's about the same price um, as Artlist. Not as highly stylized, the footage, you know, Artlist has a lot of pink wash, gray, green wash, blue, pink, um, all that stuff. And Adobe Stock is a bit more, um, uh, let's say, down, down the middle. But here's the thing I love the most. It plugs right into Premiere. So you can, you can browse the entire Adobe Stock library in Premiere without even going and you can do all the keywords search. You can, you know, you've got filters for duration, HD, 4K. Um, you can, there's so many different great filters and you can just literally drag and drop it onto a timeline and it's there and it's in and it's great. And it's so easy and smooth, so smooth. Uh, yeah, I recommend it for that reason alone. Uh, so depending on what you need, depending on what you want, I recommend that. Uh, and my last recommendation is Film Supply, which is super, super high end. We're talking very expensive, starting at $109 per clip. That's not even a subscription model. That's one, you know, 10 second clip is $109. So you're only really going to be using that for high end commercial products um, and projects that are very well have high um, high production value and they need something to slot in that feels like it belongs um, then film supply it really is there nothing there's nothing better than it and there's a lot of footage there from some of the biggest production companies in the US and the UK and Europe um, and what they'll do is if they shoot something for a commercial for Coca-Cola oh excuse me <laughs> for Coca-Cola or something like this then um, they, if they have any footage that's not used, they can license, um, then they will sell it. They'll put on film supply and they get a little bit extra kickback for selling that footage. So it's really, really high end footage, um, but it's very expensive. It comes at cost. So, you know, only really worth looking at that if you're going to be working on some high end commercial projects anytime soon. I also thought it'd be really good to share with you some platforms to avoid because that's how we, you know, as a community, that's how we get better, right? Um, it's not just about, oh, my top five uh, stock footage sites. What about the ones that you should avoid completely um, because so-and-so had a really bad experience with it? Well, 
top of the list, story blocks. Avoid it. Don't sign up for story blocks because they used to have some dodgy licensing in the past where someone would have a subscription. They would download the file, they'd use it, and then the subscription would end and the client had put, would have the project live and Storyblocks would call up the creator or whoever was licensing it and say, you owe us thousands and thousands of dollars for this because you're using, you know, because we've seen this uh, footage in this project. And so they're retroactively charging people for licensing. And it's just really, really bad practice. And they're the only um, footage library in the world, I think, that decided to do that. Now, apparently they stopped doing that because they realized how unethical it was. They lost loads of people. But, I, you know, scars don't heal fully. And so that's why I'm going to say um, just avoid them because it's dodgy practice. And anyone who does that, what else are they hiding? Story blocks, avoid them. Uh, and the other one is find story now. Now, I say this because with a heavy heart, um, they only seem to be really interested in money because I was once an affiliate with them, but terminated it because they were complaining that visitors to the site were not purchasing. And that just stinks of greed to me and left a really, really bad taste in my mouth. And I can't endorse them. In fact, I'm good right now saying the opposite. So uh, yeah, make sure you avoid them. Find story now or because of bad practices. So those are my recommendations. You got five there, top five. So who is gonna pay for stock footage? Is it gonna be you or is it gonna be the client? Well, first thing you're gonna do is ask. We kind of covered that already, but um, ask them if they already have an account with any stock footage sites. And if they do, then you get their access and you download what you need for the project and then that's it. Um, and if they don't, then you need to ask if you can expense it. And if they say no, and you think that the project really, really needs it, then you get a subscription. So if you do it this way, then you will rarely have to actually pay for a stock footage site yourself. Um, if it feels detrimental to the project and you feel like you won't get any more work after this because the quality of the footage from the stock library that they have supplied is atrocious and you feel like actually if I just sign up for Artlist then the quality of footage is going to be better, I can use this in my reel and show this to the next client and I'll get more work off the back of this, then and only then is it really worth paying for a subscription for that project out of your own pocket. And now, of course, as a freelancer, you are packaging all of your costs, everything into your day rate, which is why we say a day rate and not an hourly rate, because then you are um, you're asking, you're adding in costs for the machine, your computer, um, all of the peripherals and everything else that goes into your day to day work, including subscriptions. So. Um, that really is kind of your guideline on who's going to pay. Uh, but let's go into some typical scenarios for uh, different types of work. Let's talk about corporate work, ad and media agencies, commercials, documentaries, editorial and content social media. Um, so within the corporate world, generally the client will already have a stock footage subscription. So ask them. 
then say, hi, can I use it? Yeah, here you go, here's the login. Um, otherwise, I probably wouldn't actually pay um, because it's 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 a corporate corporate gig, and yeah, it can only be so great. Ad and media agencies definitely are using their own stock footage libraries because they use them for pitch decks, um, for you know winning work. They use all the footage all the time, so they definitely have access to their own. If you're working on a commercial, then they probably won't have access to a stock footage library, so it might be worth just getting your own. Um, and covering the cost in that because really you just want the commercial to look as good as possible and you'll probably find some good stuff on Artlist for that. Um, documentaries ask the client to pay for that. They should do. It should be all uh, encompassed in their fees when they did all of the calculations of how much to pay you. They should have done the cal separate calculations for costs for archive and stock footage and things like this. Um, so make sure that they pay for everything. Editorial, that is basically news. Um, they will have access to their own libraries. Quite often they'll have a blanket agreement with places like Getty um, or some of the bigger ones. You know, you've got Getty footage. Once you've asked them for access to that, you can download or you can either download the comps so a comp is basically a low res version that you can download for free and it'll have a big watermark and it'll be super low resolution. So you download that and you use it in your um, edit. And then when it's all finished, when it's all finalized, then you get them to download the high res version and then you drop that into your edit. So that is another way it can work. So you might have to create your own free account to download these comp versions. And then when you get approval from the client, get them to send you the high res versions. And that is a way it can work sometimes with editorial news and that sort of thing. And then finally, content and social media. There's a good chance your client will already have a, a library, a stock footage library that they use. Ask for the login for that and use it. If not, Sometimes, I say sometimes, quite often, the client will expect you as the editor to bring the footage. You are part of the package. And so they will ask you to throw on any B-roll that you think is suitable that will help the edit. And so you'll have to have your own subscription. So um, in cases like that, actually Adobe Stock might be a better option um, if you're doing just simple, this is the thing kind of content but if you're looking for something a bit more sexy then uh, artlist would be a good footage library in that case so that's who's going to pay um so should it be a subscription or should it be one-off so if you buy a subscription i recommend that you just buy one month do one month at a time unless you're constantly working with one client um, and you know that you're constantly going to be getting work from that client and you're working in content and social media and you're using stock footage all the time, then I would just buy one month. In that situation, you might want to buy a year, you know, if you're just working constantly with the same client. Otherwise, just buy one month and then you can cancel it immediately so that you don't have to, you know. What I like to do is buy it and then immediately, you know, as soon as it's bought, I cancel it while I'm still in the platform because it runs through for the entire month then. And I don't forget to cancel it later on. So do it literally immediately. Um, and if you're working in editorial, then you might pay per clip. Um, but that'll be paid for by the client. So you don't have to worry about that. So, you know, websites like Getty Images, 
um, you might download a comp and then they go, oh, which, which clips did you use? And then you send them a list of all the clips you used and then they go away and they license them. Um, so not your problem. Don't worry about it. Um, most, of the, most of the time, you don't, if you've gathered from this, you're not paying for a uh, subscription to stock footage site as the freelance editor. It's only in perhaps corporate content and social media uh, and maybe if you work with enough media agencies that it dictates actually, do you know what, I'll just get it because it's going to save me a lot of hassle asking for things and da 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 and you might want to have the ability to have that in some personal projects. Those are really the, the times it's worth getting a stock footage subscription. Otherwise, um, it's pretty much always paid for by the client. So how does rights work and rights clearance work with stock footage on your project? Don't worry, this is not difficult, um, but I'm just going to give you a general overview. Each platform is going to have their own tariffs for certain uses. So what that means is really lowball things like podcasts um, or YouTube content. They will charge the smallest amount. Commercials are the most expensive. Uh, commercials and films, um, because they have the biggest budget, that's why they charge more and they, they warrant it. Um, so yeah, podcast cheapest, commercials most expensive, and then in the, in the middle you've got uh, things like personal projects, uh, social media, you know, every platform will have their own tariffs or inversions and be different costs probably for different uses. So make sure you check each site and check the terms. Um, it'll be pretty clear. It's not, you know, you don't have to check the, the long jargon. Um, but for example, free sites like Pexels may not allow you to use the footage on commercials. Um, I think they might actually, but it's just something to be aware of. The cheaper it is, the less likely you are to be able to use it in high budget things. The idea being the lower the budget, the lower the cost for you, the higher the budget, the higher the cost for the footage. So make sure you check the usage of the platform. Each platform is different. Large clients, for example, big agencies or big um, uh, you know, production studios, documentary makers, BBC, Vice, um, you know, these big companies that are creating a lot of films will have an entire either department or a person dedicated to rights clearance. So as making sure that all the footage and all the assets used in the project are clear to be used. Um, and so when you find stuff online, make sure that it, it can be used, but then also you'll have to share that with the person who's in charge of rights clearance. Um, and then they will make sure that everything goes through okay and everything is legal and you are safe. Um, if you're paying for a subscription, then uh, check the license coverage. Very important. Um, not how it normally works is uh, when you are subscribed, or you should stay subscribed for when you obviously to download the footage, but also deliver the project. Um, and generally, that's that's how it works. Um, I would recommend checking the terms of each platform, but generally speaking, this is not legal advice, but um, if you, you should keep your subscription 
for the moment you download the footage and also deliver the project to the client. One thing you should be aware of is this once you've downloaded that footage, generally speaking, you can't use it then a year later without renewing your subscription. Just because you own, you have the footage on your hard drive doesn't mean you have the rights to use it. You are buying the rights to use the footage, not the rights to download it. So um, you can download it, get access to it, put it in your project. And if you want to use it again in another project in four months time, and you've already canceled the subscription, you just renew the subscription so that you can deliver the project. It's generally how it works with most footage licensing companies. Check the terms for wherever you decide to sign up. That kind of covers nearly everything for stock footage. Does this translate to audio, stock audio and audio library in your project? Pretty much the same. It's pretty much the same. Um, if you want to hear a deep dive on audio, audio libraries and audio licensing within your projects, then let me know in the comments on YouTube. Um, if there's enough interest in doing a deep dive on audio and music libraries, then I'll do another episode on that. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.